Section three of City of Endless Night by Milo Hastings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter three. In a black utopia, the blonde brood breeds and swarms. Part one. It was with a strange mixture of eagerness and fear that I received the head physician's decision that I would henceforth recover my faculties more rapidly in the familiar environment of my own home a wooden-faced male nurse accompanied me in a closed vehicle that ran noiselessly through the vaulted interior streets of the completely roofed-in city once our vehicle entered an elevator and was let down a brief distance we finally alighted in a street very like the one on which the hospital was located and filed down a narrow passageway my companion asked for my keys, which I found in my clothing. I stood by with a palpitating heart as he turned the lock and opened the door. The place we entered was a comfortably furnished bachelor's apartment. Books and papers were littered about, giving evidence of no disturbance since the sudden leaving of the occupant. Immensely relieved, I sat down in an upholstered chair while the nurse scurried about and put the place in order you feel quite at home he asked as he finished his task quite i replied things are coming back to me now you should have been sent home sooner he said i wished to tell the chief as much but i am only a second-year intern and it is forbidden me to express an original opinion to him i am sure i will be all right now i replied he turned to go and then paused i think he said that you should have some notice on you that when you do go out if you become confused and make mistakes the guards will understand i will speak to lieutenant forrester the third assistant and ask that such a card be sent to you with that he took his departure when he had gone i breathed joyfully and freely the rigid face and staring eye that i had cultivated relaxed into a natural smile and then i broke into a laugh here i was in the heart of berlin unsuspected of being other than a loyal german and free for the time at least from problems of personal relations i now made an elaborate inspection of my surroundings i found a wardrobe full of men's clothing all of a single shade of mauve like the suit i wore some suits i guessed to be work clothes from their cheaper texture and some much finer were evidently dress apparel having reassured myself that armstadt had been the only occupant of the apartment i turned to a pile of papers that the hospital attendant had picked up from the floor where they had dropped from a mail chute most of these proved to be the accumulated copies of a daily chemical news bulletin others were technical chemical journals among the letters i found an invitation to a meeting of a chemical society and a note from my tailor asking me to call the third letter was written on a typewriter an instrument the like of which i had already discovered in my study this sheet bore a neatly engraved head reading katrina permit eight four three l x apartment fifty seven k street level of the free women the letter ran dear karl 
for three weeks now you have failed to keep your appointments and sent no explanation you surely know that i will not tolerate such rude neglect i have reported to the supervisor that you are dropped from my list so this was katrina here at last was the end of the fears that had haunted me part two as i was scanning the chemical journal i heard a bell ring and turning about i saw that a metal box had slid forth upon a sideboard from an opening in the wall in this box i found my dinner which i proceeded to enjoy in solitude the food was more varied than in the hospital some was liquid and some gelatinous and some firm like bread or biscuit but of natural food products there was nothing save a dish of mushrooms and a single sprig of green no longer than my finger and which like a feather in a boy's cap was inserted conspicuously in the top of a synthetic pudding there was one food that puzzled me for it was sausage-like in form and sausage-like in flavour and i was sure contained some real substance of animal origin presuming as i did at that moment that no animal life existed in berlin i ate this sausage with doubts and misgivings the dinner finished i looked for a way to dispose of the dishes packing them back in the container i fumbled about and found a switch which set something going in the wall and my dishes departed to the public dishwasher having cleared the desk i next turned to armstadt's bookshelves my attention was caught by a ponderous volume it proved to be an atlas and directory of berlin in the front of this was a most revealing diagram which showed berlin to be a city of sixty levels the five lowest levels were underground and all were labelled mineral industries above these were eight levels of food clothing and miscellaneous industries then came the seven workmen's residence levels divided by trade groups above this were the four intellectual levels on one of which i as a chemist had my abode directly above these was the level of free women and above that the residence level for military officers the next was the royal level double in height of the other levels of the city then came the administrative level followed by eight maternity levels then four levels of female schools and nine levels of male schools then for six levels and reaching to within five levels of the roof of the city were soldiers barracks three of the remaining floors were labelled swine levels and one green gardens just beneath the roof was the defence level and above that the open roof itself it was a city of some three hundred metres in height with mineral industries at the bottom and the swine levels i recalled the sausage at the top midway between remote from possible attack through mines or from the roof royalty was sheltered while the other privileged groups of society were stratified above and below it following the diagram of levels was a most informing chart arranged like a huge multiplication table it gave after each level the words permitted forbidden and permitted as announced arranged in columns for each of the other levels 
from this i traced out that as a chemist i was permitted on all the industrial workmen's and intellectual levels and on the level of free women i was permitted as announced on the administrative and royal levels but forbidden on the levels of military officers and soldiers barracks maternity and male and female schools i found that as a chemist i was particularly fortunate for many other groups were given even less liberty as for common workmen and soldiers they were permitted on no levels except their own the most perplexing thing about this system was the apparent segregation of such large groups of men from women family life in germany was evidently wonderfully altered and seemingly greatly restricted a condition inconsistent with the belief that i had always held that the german race was rapidly increasing turning to my atlas index i looked up the population statistics of the city and found that by the last census it was nearly three hundred million and except for the few millions in the mines this huge mass of humanity was quartered beneath a single roof i was greatly surprised for this population figure was more than double the usual estimates current in the outside world coming from a world in which the ancient tendency to congest in cities had long since been overcome i was staggered by the fact that nearly as many people were living in this one city as existed in the whole of north america yet when i figured the floor area of the city which was roughly oval in shape being eight kilometers in breadth and eleven in length i found that the population on a given floor area was no greater than it had been in the island of manhattan before the reform land laws were put into effect in the latter part of the twentieth century there was therefore nothing incredible in these figures of total population but what i discovered next was a severe strain on credence it was the german population by sexes the figures showed that there were nearly two and a half males for every female according to the usual estimate of war losses the figure should have been at a ratio of six women living to about five men and here i found them recorded as only two women to five men inspection of the birth rate showed an even higher proportion of males i consulted further tables that gave births by sexes and groups these varied somewhat but there was this great preponderance of males in every class but one only among the seventeen thousand members of royalty did the proportion of the sexes approach the normal apparently i had found an explanation of the careful segregation of german women there were not enough to go around turning the further pages of my atlas i came upon an elaborately illustrated directory of the uniforms and insignia of the various military and civil ranks and classes as i had already anticipated i found that any citizen in berlin could immediately be placed in his proper group and rank by his clothing which was prescribed with military exactness various fabrics and shades indicated the occupational groupings while trimmings and insignia distinguished the ranks within the groups in all there were many hundreds of distinct uniforms two groups alone proved exceptions to this ironclad rule 
royalty and free women were permitted to dress as they chose and were restricted only in that they were forbidden to imitate the particular uniforms of other groups i next investigated the contents of armstadt's desk my most interesting find was a check-book with receipts and expenditures carefully recorded on the stubs from this i learned that as armstadt i was in receipt of an income of five thousand marks paid by the government i did not know how much purchasing value that would amount to but from the account book i saw that the expenses had not equalled a third of it which explained why there was a bank balance of some twenty thousand marks clearly i would need to master the signature of karl armstadt so i searched among the papers until i found a bundle of returned decks many of the larger checks had been made out to katrina others to the master of games evidently to cover gambling losses the smaller checks i found by reference to the stubs were for ornaments or entertainment that might please a woman the lack of the more ordinary items of expenditure was presently made clear by the discovery of a number of punch-marked cards for intermittent though necessary expenses such as tonsorial service clothing and books for the more constant necessities of life such as rent food laundry and transportation there was no record whatever and i correctly assumed that these were supplied without compensation and were therefore not a matter of personal choice or permissible variation of money in its ancient form of metal coins and paper i found no evidence part three in my mail the next morning i found a card signed by lieutenant forrester of the hospital staff it read the bearer karl armstadt has recently suffered from gas poisoning while defending the mines beneath enemy territory this has affected his memory if he is therefore found disobeying any ruling or straying beyond his permitted bounds return him to his apartment and call the hospital for complex gas cases it was evidently a very kindly effort to protect a man whose loss of memory might lead him into infractions of the numerous rulings of german life with this help i became ambitious to try the streets of berlin alone the notice from the tailor afforded an excuse consulting my atlas to get my bearings i now ventured forth the streets were tunnel-like passageways closed over with a beamed ceiling of whitish-gray concrete studded with glowing light-globes in the residence districts the smooth side-walls were broken only by high ventilating gratings and the narrow passage-halls from which led the doors of the apartments the uncanny quiet of the streets of this city with its three hundred million inhabitants awed and impressed me hurriedly i walked along occasionally passing men dressed like myself they were pale men with blanched or sallow faces but nowhere were their faces of ruddy tan as one sees in a world of sun the men in the hospital had been pale but that had seemed less striking for one is used to pale faces in a hospital it came to me with a sense of something lost that my own countenance blanched in the mine and hospital would so remain colourless like the faces of the men who now stole by me in their felted footwear with a cat-like tread 
at a cross street i turned and came upon a small group of shops with monotonous panelled display windows inserted in the concrete walls here i found my tailor and going in i promptly laid down his notice and my clothing card he glanced casually at the papers punched the card and then looking up he remarked that my new suit had been waiting some time i began explaining the incident in the mine and the stay in the hospital but the tailor was either disinterested or did not comprehend will you try on your new suit now he interrupted holding forth the garments the suit proved a trifle tight about the hips but i hastened to assure the tailor that the fit was perfect i removed it and watched him do it up in a parcel open a wall closet call my house number and send my suit on its way through one of the numerous carriers that interlaced the city as i walked more leisurely back to my apartment by a less direct way i found my analytical brain puzzling over the refreshing quality of the breezes that blew through those tunnel-like streets with bits of paper i traced the air-flow from the latticed faces of the elevator shafts to the ventilating gratings of the enclosed apartments and concluded that there must be other shafts to the rear of the apartments for its exit it occurred to me that it must take an enormous system of ventilating fans to keep this air in motion and then i remembered the liquid air engine i had seen in the mine and a realization of the economy and efficiency of the whole scheme dawned upon me the germans had solved the power problem by using the heat of the deeper strata of the earth to generate power through the agency of liquid air and the exhaust from their engines had automatically solved their ventilating problem i recalled with a smile that i had seen no evidence of heating apparatus anywhere except that which the miners had used to warm their food in this city cooling rather than heating facilities would evidently be needed even in the dead of winter since the heat generated by the inhabitants and the industrial processes would exceed the radiation from the exterior walls and roof of the city sunshine and fresh air they had not but our own scientists had taught us for generations that heat and humidity and not lack of oxygen or sunshine was the cause of the depression experienced in indoor quarters the air of berlin was cool and the excess of vapour had been frozen out of it yes the climate of berlin should be more salubrious to the body if not to the mind than the fickle environment of capricious nature from my reasoning about these ponderous problems of existence i was diverted to a trivial matter the men i observed on the streets all wore their hair clipped short while mine with six weeks growth was getting rather long i had seen several barber's signs but i decided to walk on for quite a distance beyond my apartment i did not want to confront a barber who had known karl armstadt for barbers deal critically in the matter of heads and faces at last i picked out a shop i entered and asked for a haircut but you are not on my list said the barber staring at me in a puzzled way why do you not go to your own barber grasping the situation i replied that i did not like my barber 
then why do you not apply at the tonsorial administrative office of the level for permission to change returning to my apartment i looked up the office in my directory went thither and asked the clerk if i could exchange barbers he asked for my card and after a deal of clerical activities wrote thereon the name of a new barber with this official sanction i finally got my hair cut and my card punched thinking meanwhile that the soundness of my teeth would obviate any amateur detective work on the part of a dentist nothing it seemed was left for the individual to decide for himself his every want was supplied by orderly arrangement and for everything he must have an authoritative permit had i not been classed as a research chemist and therefore a man of some importance this simple business of getting a haircut might have proved my undoing indeed as i afterwards learned the exclusive privacy of my living quarters was a mark of distinction had i been one of lower ranking i should have shared my apartment with another man who would have slept in my bed while i was at work for in the sunless city was neither night nor day and the whole population worked and slept in prescribed shifts the vast machinery of industry like a blind giant in some plutonic treadmill toiled ceaselessly the next morning i decided to extend my travels to the medical level which was located just above my own there were stairs beside the elevator shafts but these were evidently for emergency as they were closed with locked gratings the elevator stopped at my ring not sure of the proper manner of calling my floor i was carried past the medical level as we shot up through the three hundred metre shaft the names of levels as i read them in my atlas flashed by on the blind doors on the topmost defence level we took on an officer of the roof guard strangely swarthy of skin and now the car shot down while the rising air rushed by us with a whistling roar on the return trip i called my floor as i had heard others do and was let off at the medical level it was even more monotonously quiet than the chemical level save for the hurrying passage of occasional ambulances on their way between the elevators and the various hospitals the living quarters of the physicians were identical with those on the chemist's level so too were the quiet shops from which the physicians supplied their personal needs standing before one of these i saw in a window a new book entitled diseases of nutrition i went in and asked to see a copy the bookseller staring at my chemical uniform in amazement reached quickly under the counter and pressed a button i became alarmed and turned to go out but found the door had been automatically closed and locked trying to appear unconcerned i stood idly glancing over the bookshelves while the bookseller watched me from the corner of his eye in a few minutes the door opened from without and a man in the uniform of the street guard appeared the bookseller motioned toward me your identification folder said the guard mechanically i withdrew it and handed it to him he opened it and discovered the card from the hospital smiling on me with an air of condescension he took me by the arm and led me forth and conducted me to my own apartment on the chemical level arriving there he pushed me gently into a chair and stepped toward the switch of the telephone 
just a minute i said i remember now i was not on my level that was not my bookstore the card orders me to call up the hospital said the guard it is unnecessary i said do not call them the guard gazed first at me and then at the card it is signed by a lieutenant and you are a captain his brows knitted as he wrestled with the problem i do not know what to do does a captain with an affected memory outrank a lieutenant he does i solemnly assured him still a little puzzled he returned the card saluted and was gone it had been a narrow escape i got out my atlas and read again the rules that set forth my right to be at large in the city clearly i had a right to be found in the medical level but in trying to buy a book there i had evidently erred most seriously so i carefully memorized the list of shops set down in my identification folder and on my cards for the next few days i lived alone in my apartment unmolested except by an occasional visit from hogknecht the laboratory assistant who knew nothing but chemistry talked nothing but chemistry and seemed dead to all human emotions and human curiosity applying myself diligently to the study of armstadt's books and notes i was delighted to find that the germans despite their great chemical progress were ignorant of many things i knew i saw that my knowledge discreetly used might enable me to become a great man among them and so learn secrets that would be of immense value to the outer world should i later contrive to escape from berlin by my discoveries of the german workings in the potash mines i had indeed opened a new road to berlin it was up to me by further discoveries to open a road out again not only for my own escape but perhaps also to find a way by which the world armies might enter berlin as the greeks entered troy vague ambitious dreams were these that filled and thrilled me for i was young in years and the romantic spirit of heroic adventure surged in my blood these days of study were quite uneventful except for a single illuminating incident a further example of the super-efficiency of the germans i found the meals served me at my apartment rather less in quantity than my appetite craved while there was a reasonable variety the nutritive value was always the same to a point of scientific exactness and i had seen no shops where extra food was available after i had been in my apartment about a week some one rang at the door i opened it and a man called out the single word where just behind him stood a platform scale on small wheels and with handles like a go-cart the weigher stood notebook in hand waiting for me to act i took the hint and stepped upon the scales he read the weight and as he recorded it remarked three kilograms over without further explanation he pushed the scales toward the next door the following day i noticed that the portions of food served me were a trifle smaller than they had been previously the original karl armstadt had evidently been of such build that he carried slightly less weight than i which fact now condemned me to this light diet 
however i reasoned that a light diet is conducive to good brain work and as i later learned the object of this systematic weight control was not alone to save food but to increase mental efficiency for a fat man is phlegmatic and a lean one too excitable for the best mental output it would also help my disguise by keeping me the exact weight and build of the original Carl Armstadt. After a fortnight of study, I felt that I was now ready to take up my work in the laboratory, but I feared my lack of general knowledge of the city and its ways might still betray me. Hence I began further journeyings about the streets and shops of those levels where a man of my class was permitted to go. Part 4 after exhausting the rather barren sport of walking about the monotonous streets of the four professional levels i took a more exciting trip down into the lower levels of the city where the vast mechanical industries held sway i did not know how much freedom might be allowed me but i reasoned that i would be out of my supposed normal environment and hence my ignorance would be more excusable and in less danger of betraying me alighting from the elevator i hurried along past endless rows of heavy columns i peered into the workrooms which had no enclosing walls and discovered with some misgivings that i seemed to have come upon a race of giants the men at the machines were great hulking fellows with thick heavy muscles such as one would expect to see in a professional wrestler or weightlifter. i paused and tried to gauge the size of these men I decided that they were not giants, for I had seen taller men in the outer world. Two officials of some sort, distinguishable by finer garb walking among them, appeared to be men of average size, and the tops of their heads came about to the workers' chins. That there should be such men among the Germans was not unbelievable, but the strange thing was that there should be so many of them, and that they should be so uniformly large for there was not a workman in the whole vast factory floor that did not overtop the officials by at least half a head of course i reasoned this is part of german efficiency for the men were feeding large plates through stamping mills they have selected all the large men for this heavy work then as i continued to gaze it occurred to me that this bright metal these Samsons were handling was aluminum. I went on and came to a different work hall where men were tending wire-winding machinery, making the coils for some light electrical instruments. It was work that girls could easily have done, yet these men were nearly, if not quite, as hulking as their mates in the stamping mill to select such men for light-fingered work was not efficiency but stupidity and then it came to me that i had also thought the soldiers i had seen in the hospital to be men picked for size and that in a normal population there could not be such an abundance of men of abnormal size the meaning of it all began to clear in my mind the pedigree in my own identification folder with the numerous fraternity the system of social castes which my atlas had revealed the inexplicable and unnatural proportion of the sexes these gigantic men were not the mere pick from individual variation in the species 
but a distinct breed within a race wherein the laws of nature that had kept men of equal stature for countless centuries even as wild animals were equal had been replaced by the laws of scientific breeding these heavy and ponderous laborers were the percherons and clydesdales of a domesticated and scientifically bred human species the soldiers somewhat less bulky and more active were no doubt another distinct breed the professional classes which had seemed quite normal in physical appearance were they bred for mental rather than physical qualities otherwise why the pedigree why the rigid castes the isolation of women i shuddered as the whole logical inevitable explanation unfolded it was uncanny unearthly yet perfectly scientific a thing the world had speculated about for centuries a thing that every schoolboy knew could be done and yet which i facing the fact that it had been done could only believe by a strained effort at scientific coolness i walked on and on absorbed overwhelmed by these assaulting unbelievable conclusions yet on either side as i walked was the ever-present evidence of the reality of these seemingly wild fancies there were miles upon miles of these endless workrooms and everywhere the same gross breed of great blond beasts the endless shops of berlin's industrial level were very like those elsewhere in the world except that they were more vast more concentrated and the work more speeded up by supermachines and excessive specialization millions upon millions of huge drab-clad stolid-faced workmen stood at their posts of duty performing over and over again their routine movements as the material of their labors shuttled by in endless streams occasionally among the workmen i saw the uniforms of the petty officers who acted as foremen and still more rarely the administrative offices where enclosed in glass-panelled rooms higher officials in more bespangled uniforms pored over charts and plans in all this colossal business there was everywhere the atmosphere of perfect order perfect system perfect discipline go as i might among the electrical works among the vast factories of chemicals and goods the lighter labor of the textile mills or the heavier noisier business of the mineral works and machine shops the same system of colossal coordinate mechanism of production throbbed ceaselessly materials flowed in endless streams feeding electric furnaces mills machines passing out to packing tables and thence to vast storerooms industry here seemed endless and perfect the bovine humanity fitted to the machinery as the ox to the treadmill everywhere was the ceaseless throbbing of the machine of the human variation and the free action of man in labor there was no evidence and no opportunity for its existence turning from the mere monotonous endlessness of the workshops i made my way to the levels above where the workers lived in those hours when they ceased to be a part of the industrial mechanism of production and everywhere were drab-coloured men for these shifts of labour were arranged so that no space at any time was wholly idle 
i now passed by miles of sleeping dormitories and other miles of gymnasiums picture theatres and gaming tables and strikingly incongruous with the atmosphere of the place huge assembly rooms which were labelled free speech halls i started to enter one of these where some kind of a meeting was in progress but i was thrust back by a great fellow who grinned foolishly and said pardon herr captain it is forbidden you through half-darkened streets i again passed by the bunk-shelved sleeping chambers with their cavernous aisles walled with orderly rows of lockers again i came to other barracks where the men were not yet asleep but were straggling in and sitting about on the lowest bunks of these sterile makeshift homes i then came into a district of mess-halls where a meal was being served here again was absolute economy and perfect system the men dined at endless tables and their food like the material for their labours was served to the workers by the highly efficient device of an endless moving belt that rolled up out of a slot in the floor at the end of the table after the manner of the chained steps of an escalator from the moving belts the men took their portions and as they finished eating they cleared away by setting the empty dishes back upon the moving belt the sight fascinated me because of the adaptation of this mechanical principle to so strange a use for the principle is old and as every engineer knows was instrumental in founding the house of detroit vehicle kings that once dominated the industrial world the founder of that illustrious line gave the poorest citizen a motor-car and disrupted the wage system of his day by paying his men double the standard wage yet he failed to realize the full possibilities of efficiency for he permitted his men to eat at round tables and be served by women truly we of the free world very narrowly escaped the fetish of efficiency which finally completely enslaved the germans each of the long tables in this berlin dining-hall the ends of which faced me was fenced off from its neighbours at the entrance gates were signs which read twenty six hundred calories twenty eight hundred calories three thousand calories i followed down the line to the sign which read maximum diet four thousand calories the next one read minimum diet two thousand calories and thence the series was repeated farther on i saw that men were assembling before such gates and lines for the meal there had not begun moving to the other side of the street i walked by the lines which curved out and swung down the street those before the sign of minimum diet were not quite so tall as the average although obviously of the same breed but they were all gaunt many of them drooped and old relatively the inferior specimens and their face bore a cowering look of fear and shame of men sullen and dull beaten in life's battle following down the line and noting the improvement in physique as i passed on i came to the farthest group just as they had begun to pass into the hall these men entering the gate labelled maximum diet four thousand calories were obviously the pick of the breed middle-aged powerful herculean and yet not exactly herculean either for many of them were overfull of waistline men better fed than is absolutely essential to physical fitness evidently a different principle was at work here than the strict economy of food that required the periodic weighing of the professional classes 
turning back i now encountered men coming out of the dining hall in which i had first witnessed the meal in progress i wanted to ask questions and yet was a little afraid but these big fellows were seemingly quite respectful except when i started to enter the free speech hall they had humbly made way for me emboldened by their deference i now approached a man whom i had seen come out of a thirty-eight hundred calories gate and who had crossed the street and stood there picking his teeth with his fingernail he ceased this operation as i approached and was about to step aside but i paused and smiled at him much i fear as one smiles at a dog of unknown disposition for i could hardly feel that this ungainly creature was exactly human he smiled back and stood waiting perhaps i stammered you will tell me about your system of eating it seems very interesting i eat thirty-eight he grinned pretty good yes i'm twenty-five years old and not so tall either i eyed him up my eyes came just to the top button of his jacket i began thirty continued the workman i came up one almost every year one year i came up two at once pretty good yes one more to come what then i asked the big fellow smiled with a childish pride and doubling up his arm as huge as an average man's thigh he patted his biceps i get it all right i pass examination no flaws in me never been to hospital not one day yes i get it get what paternity said the man in a lower voice as he glanced about to see if any of his fellows was listening paternity you know women i thought of many questions but feared to ask them the worker waited for some men to pass then he bent over me grinning sardonically did you see them you have seen women yes yes i ventured i have seen women pretty good beautiful yes yes i stammered they are very beautiful but i was getting nervous and moved away the workman hesitating a little then followed at my side but tell me i said about these calories what did you do to get the big meals why do some get more to eat than others better man he replied without hesitation but what makes a better man you don't know of course you are an intellectual and don't work but we work hard the harder we work the more we eat i load aluminum pigs on the elevator one pig is two calories nineteen hundred pigs a day pretty good yes all kinds of work has its calories so many for each thing to do more work more food it takes to do it they say all is alike that no one can get fat but all work calories are not alike because some men get fatter than others i don't get fat my work is hard i ought to get two and a half calories for each pig i load still i do not get thin but i do not play hard in gymnasium see those lathes men they got it too easy and they play hard in gymnasium i don't care if you do report i got it mad at them they got it too easy one got paternity last year already and he is not as good a man as i am i could throw him over my shoulder in wrestling do you not think they get it too easy do the men like this system i asked 
the measuring of food by the amount of work one does do any of them talk about it and demand that all be fed alike the skinny minimum eaters do said the workman with a sneer when we let them talk which isn't often but when they get a chance they talk bellamism but what if they do talk it does them no good we have a red flag we have imperial socialism we have the house of hohenzollern well then i say let them talk if they want to every man must eat according to his work that is socialism we can't have bellamism when we have socialism this speech so much more informative and evidencing a knowledge i had not anticipated quite disturbed me you talk about these things i ventured in your free speech halls the hitherto pleasant face of the working man altered to an ugly frown no you don't he growled you don't think because i talk to you that you can go asking me what is not your right to know even if you are an officer i remained discreetly silent but continued to walk at the side of the striding giant presently i asked what do you do now are you going to work no he said looking at me doubtfully that was dinner not breakfast i'm going now to the picture hall and then i asked do you go to bed no he said we then go to the gymnasium or the gaming tables six hours work six hours sleep four hours for amusement and what do you do i asked the remainder of the day he turned and stared at me that is all we get here sixteen hours this is the metal workers level some levels get twenty hours it depends on the work but i said a real day has twenty-four hours i've heard he said that it does on the upper levels but i protested i mean a real day a day of the sun do you understand that oh yes he said we see the pictures of the place in the sun that's a fine show oh i said then you have pictures of the sun of course he replied the sun that shines upon the throne we all see that at the time i could not comprehend this reference but i made bold to ask if it were forbidden me to go to his picture hall i can't make out he said why you want to see but i never heard of any order forbidding it i go here he remarked as we came to a picture theatre i let my herculean companion enter alone but followed him shortly and found a seat in a secluded corner no one disputed my presence the music that filled the hall from some hidden horn was loud and in a rough way joyous the pictures evidently carefully prepared for such an audience were limited to the life that these men knew the themes were chiefly of athletic contests of boxing wrestling and feats of strength there were also pictures of working contests always ending by the awarding of honours by some such bespangled official but of love and romance of intrigue and adventure of pathos and mirth these pictures were strangely devoid there was in fact no woman's likeness cast upon the screen and no pictures depicting emotion or sentiment 
as i watched the sterile flittings of the picture screen i decided despite the glimmering of intelligence that my talking hercules had shown in reference to socialism and bellamism and the secrets of the free speech halls that these men were merely great stupid beasts of burden they worked they fed they drank they played exuberantly in their gymnasiums and swimming pools they played long and eagerly at games of chance beyond this their lives were essentially blank ambition and curiosity they had none beyond the narrow circle of their round of living but for all that they were docile contented and within their limitations not unhappy to me they seemed more and more to be like well-cared-for domestic animals and i found myself wondering as i left the hall why we of the outer world had not thought to produce pictures in similar vein to entertain our dogs and horses part five as i returned to my own quarters i tried to recall the description i had read of the children of the abyss the dwellers in ancient city slums there was a certain kinship no doubt between those former submerged workers in the democratic world and this labor breed of berlin yet the enslaved and sweated workers of the old regime were always depicted as suffering from poverty as undersized ill-nourished and afflicted with disease the reformers of that day were always talking of sanitary housing scientific diet and physical efficiency but here was a race of labourers whose physical welfare was as well taken care of as if they had been prize swine or oxen there was a paleness of countenance among these labourers of berlin that to me seemed suggestive of ill-health but i knew that was merely due to lack of sun and did not signify a lack of physical vitality mere sun-darkened skin does not mean physiological efficiency else the negro were the most efficient of races men can live without sun without rain without contact with the soil without nature's greenery and the brotherhood of fellow-species and wild haunts the whole clime of civilization had been away from these primitive things it had merely been an artificial perfecting of the process of giving the living creature that which is needed for sustenance and propagation in the most concentrated and most economical form the elimination of nature's superfluities and wastes as i thought of these things it came over me that this unholy imprisonment of a race was but the logical culmination of mechanical and material civilization this development among the germans had been hastened by the necessities of war and siege yet it was what the whole world had been driving toward since man first used a tool and built a hut our own freer civilization of the outer world had been achieved only by compromises by a stubborn resistance against the forces to which we ascribed our progress we were merely not so completely civilized because we had never been wholly domesticated as i now record these thoughts on the true significance of the perfected civilization of the germans i realized that i was even more right than i then knew for the sunless city of berlin is of a truth a civilization gone to seed its people are a domesticated species they are the logical outcome of science applied to human affairs with them the prodigality and waste of nature have been eliminated they have stamped out contagious diseases of every kind 
they have substituted for the laws of nature the laws that man may pick by scientific theory and experiment from the multitude of possibilities yes the germans were civilized and as i pondered these things i recalled those fairy tales that naturalists tell of the stagnant and fixed society of ants in their subterranean catacombs these insect species credited for industry and intelligence have in their lesser world reached a similar perfection of civilization ants have a royal house they have a highly specialized and fixed system of caste a completely socialized state yes a utopia even as berlin was a utopia with the light of the sun and the light of the soul the soul of the wild free man forever shut out yes i was walking in utopia a nightmare at the end of man's long dream utopia black utopia city of endless night diabolically compounded of the three elements of civilization in which the germans had always been supreme imperialism science and socialism End of section 3